Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Hey, um, I've got a different message tonight. It's called Leaven It Up, and it's a randomest title, and I understand that. Um, but as I was writing this title, I could only get that, I couldn't get that song out of my head, you know that, and everybody was living it up song? No, no one knows what I'm talking about. But it was stuck in my head, and I'm like, I'm trying to think of a title, and uh, Dan's probably been winning the title game at the moment, so I thought I had to pull something out. But um, it comes from the Jesus' shortest parable, the parable of leaven. And um, it's in Matthew 13, verse 33, and we'll read it together. Another parable he spoke to them, this is Jesus, he said, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a man took and hid in th- which a man. It's not true. Which a woman took. Any ladies in the house? You didn't even notice, man. No comment. Start again. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Any thoughts? Any comments? I had a lot of queries. That's what I had. I was like, awesome. What does that even mean? Have you asked yourself, caught yourself asking those sort of questions? I know I do a lot when I read the Bible. What does that mean, God? What are you trying to show us? What's in this? What's beyond the value of what I see, first of all. So tonight, my message and my plan is that I would try and unpack this for you and see how we go. So come on a journey with us. Are you ready? Okay. I'm going to break it up in a few different sections, and it seems a random order, but it kind of makes sense when I get there. The first thing I want to talk about is three measures of meal. Three measures of meal. What does that even mean? I did a bit of research into where else the Bible, this three measures come in, and they come in a few times. The first one is in Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. Three men visit Abraham, if you know the story. He sees these guys come on. He later finds out that it's somehow God in these three people. And, and uh, he goes to Sarah. He, he ducks his head into the tent. And he goes, hey, Sarah, prepare three measures of meal for our guests that have come to visit. She prepares the meal. They sit down. He, his hospitality precedes them. And, and then he realized that it's God. And God says to him, hey, this time next year, you're going to be with the son. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool story. It's the promise of his son. And, but I love how it was his hospitality first, and then God spoke to him second. I think sometimes our posture says a lot about the way that we receive God in our lives. I think a post, our posture says a lot about how we interact with our world. And, and I love his hospitality first thing. I think it should be a good thing. Maybe it could be love first for us. Dan's got a saying, and Scotty have a saying when they go spearfishing, it's, Shoot first, ask questions later. Because the first time I was out there, I was like, how do I know if it's a good fish? How do I know if it's the right size? You know, shoot first, ask questions later. Sorry if I'm getting them in trouble. Dan's giving me this really worried look on the front row here. Um, but what would it look like if we were to extend hospitality first or extend love first and then ask questions later? Sometimes we get so caught up in asking the questions first that we miss maybe what God's doing in the moment. Matthew 25, 40 says... And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. I don't believe Abraham knew who was entertaining at the start. It's written like he did, but it was written retrospectively, so easy to say, oh, and God rocked up. But I don't believe that he did. And, and I think in our world sometimes that we need to treat people the way that God would, because that is our mandate, and we need to love first and ask questions 
later. The second time this appears, it appears two more times. One in the book of Judges, when Gideon was suddenly confronted with an angel of God, he brought him an offering of three measures of meal. When Hannah, the mother of Samuel, um, went to worship God in the temple, she took with her an offering of three measures of meal. The three measures is a symbol of humanity encountering the divine, encountering God. God visits us. He is present. He is present in our world. Here's another thought. Three pretty cool meals happen too. Massive in our Christian faith. The Passover. What was the Passover? It was a celebration. Hey, the lamb is slain, so we're heading out into freedom. The second one was, iconic one, was Jesus with the Last Supper. He's sitting down to his disciples and he said, hey, I'm about to be slain and we're all about to head into freedom. We celebrated one most weeks in church called Communion. And it's the third one in this series where we're saying, hey, Jesus was slain so we can live in freedom. I think this is so much imagery and interesting things about these three measures of meal. The second thing is a woman. Why was it a woman? A woman is an interesting choice in this culture. You understand that in Bible times. Like a woman couldn't speak in court. They, they, their, their, their word, their testimony meant nothing, that they were considered less than, and I'm so glad. But there's, there's glimpses in the Bible of pointing that this is about to change. Can you remember when Jesus' ministry, how much women were involved? How he met with women, how he championed women. Jesus was so progressive in these sorts of things. And, and the woman was an interesting choice, but... The woman has authority over the food in the time. Does that make sense? So, so he's painting a picture saying, hey, it's not some random that went in and hid um, this leaven in the bread. It was a woman. It was a person who had authority in that area, hid something that she knew would be good. I believe that God has authority over all. The person with the authority hid something in our world. Romans 1 verse 20 says this, For ever since the world was created, people have, been, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made. They have clearly seen his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so that no excuse for not knowing God. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. God hid his majesty, his glory, his beauty in creation. Do we agree with that? I'm getting somewhere, so stay with me. The kingdom of heaven, it's so interesting. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, he starts 11 of his parables with this. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, do I need to say it 11 times or you know I'm going to say a no from GK. Thank you, GK. But what does this phrase mean? I find it so interesting and I've, I've heard it used to say so many different things. Sometimes we use it to describe an age to come. Sometimes we use it to describe evangelism or the work of the gospel. We use it to describe the spiritual realm or Jesus' life, death, and ministry and, and all these sorts of things. But the kingdom of heaven is so much more than some far-off, distant thing. Do we agree with that? I believe it's here, and it's now my favorite, I would consider, and even I would consider the most accurate, is a new perspective. It's a new way to live now. It's becoming awake. It's an awakening, if you like, something we can participate in now, I believe this is what Jesus alluded to. This was his first message. You know that, hey, John was preaching it. Then John the Baptist baptized Jesus because he was a Baptist. I guess they baptized people. Jesus went to the wilderness to be tested and he came back. And his first message was repent for the kingdom of heaven 
Is that hair? Jesus seemed to think that it was something not just off one day and not just, I have a ticket, so everything's going to be okay, but it was about here. And now I think the way that we live our lives here and now is very, very important. I believe Jesus was teaching us something, that, that the kingdom of heaven was not solely or primarily about another place, about somewhere else, but it was more about now. Now is critical. It's something we can live in and something for now. It carries practical implications today. But why do you say repent at the start? Repent's an interesting word, don't you think? Repent. Is, is that like I say sorry God every time I do the wrong thing? What, is, what does repentance actually look like? If we were to define repentance, repentance in this sense has to go beyond the I'm sorry God. Okay, tomorrow, I'm sorry, God. Oh, I did it again. I'm sorry, God. But true repentance, I believe, is a change of course. It's a change of outcome. It's like, I used to do this. I used to think that. I used to live this. But now I don't anymore because I'm repentant of that. I believe that Jesus wanted us to repent from the way that we're living and start to live his way now. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. It was turned from my old ways, turn from my old pattern of thinking where it was all about self, like Joey was speaking about, and start to have a new perspective, a kingdom perspective, where it was about others and not me all the time. Repent from our selfishness, repent from our greed, repent from our sinful desires, repent from those things and change the course of our life. We have an opportunity now, not merely a ticket to one day location, but now. So the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Really, Jesus? Do you ever ask yourself those questions? I do a lot. I'm like, Jesus, what did you mean? What were you saying? Like, couldn't you have said this a lot cooler? Don't you think? The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Who wants to go? Who wants to be a part of that? Anyone? Who wants to get all yeasty together? What does that even mean, Jesus? The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. He was rhyming, maybe it was a rap. Is that what it was? He didn't say the kingdom of heaven is like a party. It's like your best life now or all these phrases that we like to use. It. He didn't say the kingdom of heaven is inner peace, all that what is. He, he didn't use any of those things. He said leaven, and leaven is really interesting. Leaven or yeast, baker's yeast, works by converting, are you ready, fermentable sugars into, in the dough into carbon dioxide and ethanol, making the bread lighter, and softer. Lighter and softer, they're interesting words, aren't they? And it's a bit like sourdough in the day, like what Jesus was alluding to, where it would be the cultures from the past batches that was used to put in the new one, the bacteria from the old, the yeast from the old, to put in the new batch to make it do this. Jesus uses this term two other times, this leaven term. But it has a negative connotation to it. Even in the Old Testament, the word leaven's there, and it's generally a negative word. It's beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, if you remember the scriptures. And um, the first one is in Mark chapter 8. It's paralleled in Matthew 16, and, and it's a lack of faith. It's do you still not understand? Could you not believe without seeing? Let's read it together. Mark 8, verse 11. Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him. Seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply. Everyone sighed deeply. <sighs> that was really loud, someone over there. That was great. Thank you. 
But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, what does it, why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no, no sign shall be given to this generation. And he left them and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Verse 15, then he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Like, is that confusing? Like one minute the guys are talking about bread and he's talking about leaven, not knowing they were talking about a previous conversation before saying, hey, beware of this. But maybe that's what Hebrews 11.6 is talking about. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. In fact, without, without faith, it's maybe impossible to even know God. Would you agree? Because we're not saved through works, but we're saved by grace through faith. At some point in all of our lives, we have to come to a place where we take a step of faith and say, God, I may not see you all the time. God, I may not be able to tangibly touch or reach out or pull or grab you. But God, I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to choose to see you in the here and now. I'm going to choose to believe in you here and now. The second one is hypocrisy. He uses this to mean hypocrisy in Luke 12, 1 and 2. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Did anyone just get scared? For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Jesus uses leaven to talk about hypocrisy. What they said did not match what they did. Their public life was different to their private life. What they said they believed in had not changed their outward experience. So Jesus uses a somewhat negative connotation and makes it positive. Jesus redeems the metaphor. Do we believe that Jesus can do this? That he can redeem a metaphor? Literally throughout the Old Testament and the other two times in the New Testament, leaven is bad. Do we believe that Jesus can redeem a metaphor? Which leads to the bigger question, do we believe that Jesus could redeem us? That he could redeem us? My purpose tonight is to answer yes, a resounding yes. Those thoughts you've had and the things others have spoken over you, I believe Jesus can redeem it all. Hidden in this parable is a picture of the redemptive power of God. The yeast, the culture, the leaven was used from the previous batch to make a new. Do you know how I'll describe this leaven in my limited vocabulary? Like this, the fermented mess from the past. <laughs> Have you seen like a sourdough? Like, it's disgusting. It stinks. It's gross. There is no way you would eat that. Yet we do most days with avocado for $20. Like, our fermented mess from the past. So, what am I trying to say? 
I'm saying that this is our God. That he can use the fermented mess from the past to make our world lighter and softer. Remember a previous message that I talked, preached about how that we are the light? You are the city on a hill, that we're enlightened, that our job is to bring light, that our job is to soften people's hearts, our, our job is to soften their arrogance to the good news that Jesus has to the kingdom of heaven. This is our God at work in our lives. He uses our past experiences, our failures, our shortcomings, our grief, our scars, our mistakes, and our brokenness. He uses all of that, and he redeems it. We grow through it, and we come out lighter and softer if we don't harden our hearts, if we don't say no. There's been so many times in my life where I've been like, oh, this is awesome, God. I feel like yeah, we're progressing in life because maybe sometimes I'm a bit too analytical for my own good and I need to see like results from what I'm doing. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, this is happening, this is happening. Wait a minute, it's not happening anymore. God, what's going on? That's it. No more. He redeems it. So what am I saying is this. That your fermented mess from the past can be used to bless yourself and others. That that broken relationship of past, that that fermented mess, <laughs> that what we learnt from that could be sown into a new one. And it could bless you and many others. That those dreams that you've had, that you've just given up on and have been broken, or maybe that business idea that you had, or, or that creative thing that you tried to do and it failed, maybe what you learnt from that can be sown into the next. Maybe the opportunities that, maybe those faith steps. I've had heaps of these in my life where I'm like, I'm stepping out of faith. Whoa, I just crashed over a cliff. That fermented mess can be used with wisdom for my next one. And say, God, it doesn't matter. What I see sometimes does not change the character of who you are. Our role is to be leaven in our world. It says from within, leaven works from the inside out. This message that we have has to work from the inside out. It doesn't work if you come to church one day, put your hand up and then start dressing like everyone else. That's going to do nothing. You leave here and put Hillsong in your car. That's great, but it's not what we're after. God's after us from, to be changed from the inside out. It only needs a little leaven. She took a little leaven and hid it in three measures of meal until all of it was leaven. What happened if Christianity never needed to be the superpower? What happens if it never had to be the majority? What happens if we never had to build an empire, but a little was enough to make a difference in our world? Do you believe that? I believe that this many people could change Ormo. I believe it because it's not equal parts flour to leaven. There's a little bit of leaven and a lot of flour. Our world should be better because you're in it. Our world has to be better because we're in it. Projects like Dear Santa, Got Your Back, Reaching Thousands, our apostolic stuff, our Christmas carols, everything that we do, it has to make other people's lives different because we're in it. We need to spread it. We use what we had to make a greater impact. Can God be found anywhere? Well, he can be found anywhere that I am. I know that because he's in me. Can God be found anywhere? Yeah, he can be found anywhere in your world because you're there. I love that it says at the end, till all was leavened. Everything, all of it, there was no more meal to leaven. I believe the world is 
sprinkled with leaven, with us, <laughs> everywhere. I don't believe that Christianity is going to die out. Maybe some things will and maybe some things should. Some of our traditions or our attitudes, our programs and our systems, I'm holding lightly onto them, but I'm holding tightly onto Jesus and what he's doing now. Are you? But not what God started through Jesus. He is it. I believe Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecy. He's the fulfillment of us finding a new and better way to live now. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which he sprinkled everywhere until all of it was leavened. How are we going with that? Will we be the leaven in our world? But to be the leaven, we first have to receive the leaven. My prayer today is that, God, you would just pour more of your spirit, more of your leaven, more of your discernment, more of your perspective, more of your thoughts, more of what's important to you into my heart, and then I will continue to share that everywhere that we go. So the two questions from this message I will leave you with is simply this. Number one, will you allow the leaven of the kingdom of heaven to permeate your life? Will we? Will we allow the leaven of the kingdom of heaven to permeate our life. But here's the warning. It's an all or nothing deal. Too many times, and I think this is why we haven't succeeded as well as we've tried in the past, is we've said, yeah, God, I'll let you into this section, but not this, but not this, but not that, but not that. And I really liked doing that, so not that. But I feel like it's an all or nothing deal. The leaven was through all of the meal. God, I want you to be all in my life. This is why we pray prayers like, God, I open up my life and I let you in. Come in and make me new again. This is why I use metaphors in youth ministry so, time, so many times like um, a restaurant under new management. Because people might come back and go, hey, you're, aren't you the same guy that used to do this? I said, no, no, I'm under new management. That's why we explain that to you, you know, when you go to the restaurants, under new management. Oh, so the old chef's not going to be there, so the food might be better. The old waiter's not going to be there, so the service is going to be better. They're going to be more polite. They're going to cost less money or whatever it is. That is what our lives are under new management, where we allow the leaven of the kingdom of heaven to permeate our lives. And number two, will we share our leaven? But what is our leaven? Our leaven's our fermented mess from the past. I don't know that we're ever going to reach our world until we come to a place where we're actually vulnerable. We do not need to be perfect to be used by God. We don't. It's actually in our vulnerability that we can reach people a lot of the times. Because our, our scars tell a story. Our past isn't wasted. <laughs> it's used for the next batch and the new ones that come in so that we can encourage them and show them a better way to living now. Because our job is to soften and lighten. I believe that everywhere that we are, we can soften hearts in a moment because God's at work within us. I believe that everywhere we are, that we are the light and we lighten the world because of him in and through us. Can I pray for you as I close? God, I just pray of every person here. God, I just pray, Lord, that something that I spoke about tonight, Lord, would touch our hearts. But God, it wouldn't just end here, but God, it would enable us to do tomorrow better. God, we open up all of our hearts and all of our lives to you afresh. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would be the leaven, we would be the rising agent in our world. God, give us the strength to be vulnerable with our mess and our fermented mess from the past. 
God, that we could help others along the journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you come down?